you're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. This is the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And we have, uh, we're going to continue on in our Linton uh, podcast series over the social principles. And we have a, uh, a wonderful uh, special guest with us today, uh, Pastor Tyler Amundsen. He's the uh, pastor at Shiloh UMC in Billings, Montana. So love having a, a hometown guy here with me on the podcast. Uh, and you can also check him out at hashtag Zesty Reverence. I encourage you to do that. Uh, for sure. But Tyler, thanks, man, for coming on. And, and tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do and, and where you're at, and then we'll dive into the social principles. Sure. So I'm a pastor in Billings, Montana, which is, it's the biggest city in Montana, which isn't saying much. I just want to say <laughs> right. that up front. So, um, but, it's bigger uh, than my town, right? <laughs> it's bigger than where you're at, friend. Um, we're, um, so I'm on the west end of the city, so we're kind of a little bit of a suburban church that was planted in the middle of a wheat field, and now we're trying to figure out what that means as the town grows up around us. So, um, And for me, personally, ministry is all about being out in the community, um, connecting with people where they're at, looking at where the community's at, and what uh, where we see Christ in the community, and where we see that we're called to share that love. So, so um I'll share more later on our conversation, but I love to figure out um, demographics of an area and uh, see where, you know, God's like, hey, you should probably pay attention to this population of folks because nobody's doing ministry with them. So, yeah, I love that. Love that. Um, well, we're, we're doing social principles or, or going through some of the social principles and bringing awareness to what we believe as United Methodist and, and how we connect people um, all people to their humanity and to God and, and bring dignity through that. And uh, I know there's a couple of things that you're doing in particular that, that revolve around these principles. And so um, if you will unpack that for us a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, uh, so the big one for me has been uh, this, this social principle around age and just the reality that if we're going to really be the body of Christ, we got to be in multi-generational church in a way that we haven't really realized at, at any point in our history, really. Um, and so, uh, so uh, in particular, one area we've been looking at has been um, Shiloh. I've been joking with our congregation. We have young people to the south and west of us, and we have old people to the north and east of us. Um, and it really pushed our congregation to say, okay, you want to reach both those populations because it's not just about getting all the young people in your church, yep. right? Like right. there are people hurting that are older and isolated and they need as much resources as, as the young people that you just want. Cause it looks nice to have kids in church. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we started some work with that. Um, and I, I think that's probably where I want to go first is, is just, we've been reaching out to uh, aging care facilities in the area and they're bringing into our church building um, information for folks, how to age well, like it's um. been pretty incredible to watch. Um, so, uh, these care facilities are trying to find these venues to share all this information they're learning as they do their work. And they just want to find a way uh, to do that well and get it into a space where they have an audience. And I was like, well, we've got this captive audience every couple of weeks. <laughs> like, or right. every, like, we can bring you in. So, um, so that's been powerful. I mean, we did a, uh, so just from that demographic of how do we serve those who are older, 
um, we've had a couple programs on dementia um, and literally had an experience where I got to experience what it was like to have dementia. They like put things in your shoes and make it, you put headphones on your head. So it's like overwhelming sensory input and put glasses on so you can't see straight. And I was in tears when I got done with it. Like uh, it was this experience, it was four minutes. I had the symptoms of what dementia would be like is what it's like. And I was in tears at the end, imagining what people in my congregation are going through. So, right. So just pretty powerful stuff on that end of, of the spectrum there. So, yeah. So what, I mean, you know, in, in our social principles, you know, we, we, the whole idea is, is to drive to action. And so how are you able to kind of um, persuade your congregation to look broader? I mean, that's, 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 that's a great task within its own right. Um, Cause I mean, totally. I, we all serve congregations, all three of us probably serve congregations that the first thing that they said, we want young families, we want young people right. because that's what it means to be the church. And I know probably both of us probably were shaking our heads, you know, thinking, no, that's not what it means to be the church. And so mm-hmm. how did you get your church to, to kind of broaden their horizons a little bit? Like, did you just sit down with them as social principles one day and be like, <laughs> here's what it says about aging. Unfortunately and, you know, not. I mean, the social principles are great. Like you can give one little thing out of it and say like, we're supposed to be as Methodists serving all, all ages. Uh, no, but I, I stumbled across this, this fact, like, uh, <laughs> And actually, there's no good reference to this fact, so I don't even know if it came from a real report, but it basically said, ages zero to 65 is now young, young people. Like, let's just stop. <laughs> like, people are living to 100 years old, so 65 and under, you're young. And, and I watch my congregation, this 30-year-old's up there, they're all 30 years older than me, and they look at me and they're like, yeah, we're young, we could do that. <laughs> like, um, and then I said, you know, 65, I think the, the range was 65 to 80 is like, or excuse me, 65, yeah, 65 to 80 is middle age, 80, 90, older, 90 and above old age. Like it changed the demographic kind of thing. Right. Um, and I said, if we're called to serve every generation and 80 plus is the fastest growing uh, demographic in the nation um, of, of people, I mean, it's growing itself. Like it's not necessarily growing, but it's growing itself. Uh, there's more people who are living longer. Mm-hmm. Then what are we thinking? Not going out and showing God's love with folks. Like, you know, these people, you, you walk into the care facilities and you see them sitting in their rooms or not finding ways to engage or looking for community. And so it intrigued them like, Oh yeah. So we know how to reach those people. Um, We, there are friends, like there are neighbors. Um, We're scared to death to reach young people because we don't know what they want. Right. Um, and so it's just, that's been a, giving them a sense of old isn't a bad thing. Like aging isn't a bad thing. Aging well, we, that's, that's literally the title we've given our program is aging well. Like how do you grow into that? So that shifted, it shifted the conversation for the congregation. They started to be like, oh yeah, okay. We got, we got friends we can invite to church. We got a way to do that. So, um, so anyway, that, does that answer your question? I think that's kind of where I'm going with that yeah i mean like i said it's, it's just one of those things that like you know it's amazing to see you know within the social principles how many of our churches don't have like never even like i didn't know these existed and like here you all are doing something that's like to me i think it's one of the key elements as we continue to i mean we're um you know we're gonna have a lot of old people that we're gonna need to minister to that have either and and you know the boomer generation and i'm you know, not to pick on them because I'm not. Um, yeah. But like, oh my gosh, talk about a great opportunity for mission and ministry 
and a lot of them don't. I mean, we we get all upset about mil, uh, millennials not having church home. It's it's the it's those boomers that that left first, and uh, they just took their children with them. And I was reading, um, I think it's Hayden Shaw's book um, on. Uh, it was one of those generational. I think it's generational IQ, and he talked about you know if you want to grow the church, go get the grandparents because you can get the grandparents in, you'll get the kids, and then you'll eventually get the the family. And 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 I've really wrestled with that, especially in, in my current appointment. You know, looking at what are some ways that we can provide, you know, things for like that and, and reaching out. Um, and I think that that's just vital to having those conversations and thinking about, you know, this is part of who we are as a church is to um, look at all people, but then also just like do it. I mean, how often do we just talk about this stuff and just right. equipping people and going and doing it? So I like, I'm in the sales process of this right now too. Like I can't say it's like booming yet, right? Like yeah. I do know we did this in my previous, the town I served previously and they're having 40 people a week show up for the, I mean, this is, yeah. this is those kind of programs. So I know it's doable. Um, but part of it was, you know, doing enough of those experiments and letting folks know. So I'm in the sales process of it. Right. And then, and then now, now folks are coming and their leaders in the church are saying like, this isn't a bad idea, right? Like, this makes sense to us because we, we, we can figure out how to reach these folks. But I had to give them the data and, and to the sense of empowerment first before we could ever get to that space. So, and then it's regular, regular communities, almost like worship, right? Like next step for me is regular times each week that we have something in our church for this generation. So people can just start showing up. Like they don't have to know exactly what the program is or anything. Right. I, I think something that's really important that you said that we don't do well is, is the demographic research, right? Mm-hmm. Every church is like, hey, we want young people. And when I go to Brady, Montana, that's a town of less than 200 people and none of them are young. It's like, well, where do you want them to come from? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but and they're kind of the they're one of the exceptions I've served. They, they just well, let's just go get people. Right. They, they haven't said right. the young people thing. Uh, but when you reframe that demographic of zero to 65 as young people, that changes the game, right? That, that changes the whole way you approach grabbing people, you know, how you do ministry in the church. Cause well, it's everybody. It's everybody well, back, at this point. And back to Matt's comment, like that's the boomers now, right? right. Like, they're 65 <laughs> to 70. They're starting to retire. Like, yeah. So they're telling them, you know, you're not old. You actually have a significant, portion of your life left to serve God and be engaged in the church like that that changes their head because they're thinking I'm retiring I don't know what I have left to give right Uh, and that's what I'm struck by in this work I mean that's that's where the social principle comes through is a lot of these folks are seeing themselves as worthless like they literally feel like they've done their job for society and they don't know what's next and Mm -hmm. um and they're not I mean they They've got compassion. They've got wisdom. They've got yeah. things that they just need to share. And, and, yeah. and now they have a ton of time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Except there's snowbirds too. So they feel yeah. bad when they're not here. So you've got to find right. new ways for them to be in the church too. Like, right, right, exactly. And, and I think that's such a beautiful thing because I hear that a lot where all, all the places I've served of you, when, when people retire, oh, I've lost my voice, right? Nobody wow. cares about me anymore because I'm not working or I'm not in this. And one, one of my mentors, um, he, he retired, uh, pastoral mentor, he retired and he said, the church quit caring about me. Mm-hmm. Since I wasn't in the pulpit anymore, nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. Nobody wanted to hear my opinion. I was forgotten about. And the only connection that I have with the church now is my retirement check, 
right? And he said, I, I wasn't aware of this until I retired. And he said, I'm not the only one. It's not just pastors that feel this way. It's all people who retire. We go, well, what, what now? Nobody cares. Right. And so it's finding, it's finding a way to have that voice back or, or to give a voice or, or remind them that, Oh no, no, you're not done. <laughs> you're not done. Well, and that's something that we started here. Well, it started, the previous pastor started this and I've just, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm strongly encouraging it is that we have a Tuesday group of men uh, that show up and want to, they do some little odds and end jobs around the church. And so, I mean, it's one of those ones where like, man, I would love to have a crew follow them around because you never know what kind of comedy may come out of them. Um, I mean, I've watched them. Uh, I mean, it, and it's just been a good group of men to get to know. And so like, um, you know, having those opportunities, uh, those, um, I like the whole idea of that, that the church is a place that can be a place for people to have a space that may not um, necessarily like feel like, you know, Hey, I, I was in the teaching field for 20 years and now I don't know what to do and saying, Hey, we have opportunities for you to serve in some different ways. And I think that, you know, when the church can do that, man, it's, it's like, it's crazy to see how great it, it can be. Well, and, and I'm instructed. So the congregation I'm in too, um, I, they literally, when, when I first got here, there was no kids coming up for, for children's time a couple of times. Um, and, and luckily I brought two kids with me, which helped the whole demographic. Uh-huh. <laughs> so fascinating to watch um, the shame on their faces. Like they didn't mm-hmm. feel like they were being church anymore. And I was like, whoa, whoa. When did we get the sense that when you don't have the certain thing that everyone says you should have as church, you're no longer a church, right? Like two or more gathered in my name, your church, like let's go people. Right. It's been a big thing. Uh, one of the other things I want to share with this too has been, our communities don't know that we have these social principles that these it needs to like we're called to engage this. So um, within the first two months of me being at this church talking about this stuff, I got one of the facilities to invite. So uh, there's coalitions for aging in communities, and this group of 30 people I had in our fellowship hall, and I basically got to share what we were trying to do as a church and say, "You guys have the resources. Give me a call. Like I, I'm not going to be." building programs. I want you to come in and share what you know. We'll provide the space and the community. You get in here and do that. Um, And I shared with that group this story about my previous church. This woman came to our new member class and was sitting there um, and she got to the end and she said, well, I've really appreciated being here, but you really don't care that I'm at your church. I mean, this was exactly what she said to me and the senior pastor. and And we asked her what she meant. And she said, I'm an old lady you don't need any more of those. So you're not really excited that I'm here. Um, and if, man, if we can overcome that in our churches and those, those old ladies are the ones who've been driving our churches for years. I mean, right. if we can convince them they have worth, then let the Christ be unleashed from the church. <laughs> They're going to go right. everywhere. So, yeah. Right. Right. Well, and that's, that's what, so I started, um, and I started doing this in my last appointment and I brought it with me at this appointment is doing intergenerational uh, mission trips. And I mm-hmm. have found those to be very powerful. And one of my favorites was, um, actually it was in my first appointment. Um, we had a lady that was 83 years old that went with us and she was, she was in it more than almost the uh, young people were. <laughs> I was like, man, I would kill to have your energy at your age. I'm, you know, and, and I think that the more we can provide space for, you know, those, 
you know, seven to eight generations to interact. It's amazing to see. And I, and I really do believe this does start in worship. And I have a hard time when I hear of churches that like, no, we're going to, we're going to invite our children forward and then we're going to send them and hide them. So that way they don't make noise. And I have a hard time with that. And I'm like, we had a family um, when they first visited, they came and they had been at a couple of churches in town where they hide, you know, they hide the kids. And so like, so what do we do with our children? And I'm like, you bring them into worship. And they're like, really? Like, yep. I want them into worship. And, you know, I, I think that that's um, one of those things when we can make those invitations, whether they're young or old um, and say, Hey, yeah, you have a place here. And we, you know, we want, we want to value is as, as a human. Um, and so come and be a human, you know, and I think that that's key. Um, and I think that, you know, the great thing is in the Methodist church, you know, we kind of have that built in through the social principles. It's like, exactly. we should be doing this. I mean, I know it's not church law, but man, it's one of those nice suggestions that you really should be doing, you know? Um, right. And, and, and so, you know, that's kind of where I feel about that. And, um, you know, Tyler, I know we're kind of, we're, I mean, I know we're inching closer to you having uh, to go to your next thing, like a good old pastor should. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, is there anything else like in regards to not just the social principles, but just what you, you know, discovered in doing this that, you know, we'd like to share? Yeah, well, I don't want to, I know we're, we've got some short time, but I actually would love to jump into something else I found with the social principles about mental health ministry. If you guys have some. Yeah, yeah please. Uh, fine, please. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so there's a, there's a cool study out there called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Um, it comes out of uh, Kaiser Permanente and the CDC did the study of, of folks over a 20 year period and found 10 aces, they call them. And the congregations look at you funny when you first share it with the, like, what cards are you putting on the table here? But um, it's, it's 10, um, these Adverse Childhood Experiences, they identified 10 and they're things like uh, parents being incarcerated, a uh, parent using drugs, um, separation from parents, so going into foster care, things like that. Divorce in the family is actually one that has a pretty high uh, marker for folks too. Um, but these 10 ACEs, kids with four or more have, of course, higher levels of mental illness, but higher chronic diseases mm-hmm. um, when they get older. And early death is more likely with uh, folks that have four or more ACEs. Um, and so uh, I share this with you because there's this great part in our social principles about just mental health in general, but about caring for the whole community too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually been quoting this ACEs study as, um, as the secular gospel because it literally names why Jesus told us to be compassionate. Like we have to reduce the number of ACEs in our communities. Um, that's why the church exists is to find ways to do that. Um, and uh so anyway, you guys could research that more, that kind of thing. But um, the big thing from it is data is now supporting why Christ called us to compassion. Like, mm. and I'm struck by, like, we're starting to see things that we intuitively knew when as Christians moving ahead uh, come to fruition in the fact in science too. And so, hey, heads up, like, we're doing the right thing. We just got to keep figuring out how to do it well. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so I'm glad <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, when we're done here, I'm Googling that and I'm going to go find it. Um, because that's something we're dealing with, uh, in all of our communities, but, um, here in, here in Shoto, um, we've, we're putting a community task force together and identifying, um, uh, addiction, uh, mm-hmm. to substance and, and, and things like that. And how do we, how do we begin to bring in awareness and, and limit or, or, you know, you're not ever going to be able to eliminate it. I don't think, but how do we, how do we change the culture around it? And, 
um, you know, looking at it of, well, we have, we have these drug and alcohol addictions and things that are, that are in our community. We're looking at it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're looking at, Hey, we have this issue, but we're not looking at the why we have this issue. Right. And, and so a study like that, that says here, here are these things, right? Here, yep. here is what leads us to these areas. If we can eliminate or, or limit some of these, maybe we can begin to actually help in the, in the addiction part of it, right? Or in the mental illness part of it. Yeah, and all three of us are serving in poorer states, like, right? right. Like, this is a reality where we serve. So this is what I love. This is the gospel message that comes out of this whole study. One positive adult relationship in a, in a child's life before the age of 18 can shift those aces so that the kid is more resilient. Like, mm. change wow. Right. Right. And this is proven by data now. And I'm sitting reading this going, are you kidding? Like, oh my God, like, right. this is, this is what we're called to do. This is clearly where we're called to be. Right. Uh, yeah. So do check that out. Um, the state has done a lot of studies. Uh, so you want to check it out for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. Stuff, Zach, Cause um, it's pretty incredible. Billings has done a lot. Um, and, and actually down in Oklahoma, I would bet you this is starting to spread there too. Um, so yeah, well, and I'd be I'd be intrigued. I'd like to sit down. So we have um, the tobacco settlement money that we've been working on doing, creating healthier communities. And so mm-hmm. I've been a part of. I'm now in my second county, and so the second county, like when they found out that I had experience with the previous county, their T set, and they're like, like we really want you to be involved with this. Like, great, because I really want to be involved with this because I believe in uh, creating healthy communities, and uh, and I think that the church can provide. And I'll use some good old Methodist language, the most significant arena for healthy community. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. uh, but, you know, like, man, if we could, you know, and, and I was just thinking, man, if we could just tap into like, you know, maybe one or two aces mm-hmm. um, that maybe aren't being tapped into, into our community, like, man, uh, I just only imagine what we could do. And I think that that, that could be said in every community, not, it doesn't matter whether if you have 200 people in your community or 15,000 or right. I think that that's something yeah. uh, to, to really get serious about. And that uh, to me, and that's where, for me, the social principles have become key, especially since talking with Neil, like I've really been thinking about this, uh, is that these things call us to action. And so what kind of action do we want to take out of that um, with maybe that being the, the basis, but then just saying, hey, you know, here's where we need to go and here's what we need to do. And, and you know, realize that if you, you know, the gospel truth is in that and that that's what, where we're called out into. And so, yeah, and, and Matt, when I started this, this ACES stuff, I, I was quoting social principles and everything I was writing in my congregation too, right? Like it was beautiful. Like the language is good. It's right. just we're buried in the discipline. So <laughs> out of there, let folks know, hey, it's right here. Yeah. And, and then I got those sticklers in my congregation that need the discipline to feel like they should do something. So you might as well pull it out anyway. So. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And so like, you know, uh, you know, Tyler, we thank you for your time. Uh, I know, yeah. you, um, you know, feel free to come back on anytime and, and, and shoot the breeze with us. So we would glad to have you back <laughs> on anytime. Um, and, uh, you know, continue doing what you're doing. And um, I want to encourage our listeners to um, go on our website and Tyler, we'll have, we'll try to find some of those links or if Tyler wants to send us those links, um, we'll try to have some of those links maybe to some of those studies and maybe even some of the stuff that Tyler's done. Uh, so you can kind of mm-hmm. get a good example for that. 
Um, and that will all be on our website when we post this, uh, probably, um, later this evening or later today or whenever it actually fires up on the internet, <laughs> my slow high speed internet here in uh, Oklahoma. Um, but we want to encourage our listeners to go on uh, Google play and Apple and give us five stars and then just bash the tar out of us. We don't really care. We <laughs> five stars. So you can say whatever you want. Um, and then, you know, on YouTube, the same thing, give us many thumbs up and, and say that you like us so that then you can just bash us however you want. Uh, that just gets us more views. Uh, and then go on our website, click on the buy stuff and buy a few things. We've got some great mugs and t-shirts and all that great stuff that you can do. And so for the bearded theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope that you share our content online uh, through Facebook and social media. And we hope that you check out our uh, Beardcast store at beardedtheologians.com and pick up some great Bearded Theologians gear. We hope you have a good day.